Welcome to season two of Let's Talk About Health in Africa with me, Lenia Swenda. After a short break, we are back with the Titans of Industry podcast series where we are bringing you the movers and shakers who are transforming Africa's vaccine manufacturing sector to share with us some of the work that they are doing. Our next guest today is Professor Petro Ter Blanche, the Managing Director of Afigen Biologics and Vaccines, a biotechnology that is based in Cape Town in South Africa that was founded in 2014. Afigen is currently involved in the development, manufacturing, supply and distribution of bulk adjuvants and key biologicals to address unmet healthcare needs in Africa. Today, we're talking about the exciting project that African Biologics is working on to develop South Africa and indeed Africa's first mRNA technology transfer hub in collaboration with the WHO, the government of South Africa, the Africa CDC and a number of other partners. The company just invested 130 million rand which is an equivalent of 9 million US dollars in building an ultra sterile facility that will have a capacity of producing 30 to 50 million doses of vaccines each year. Professor Ter Blanche is here to unpack it all for us. So let's get started. Professor Petro Ter Blanche, let's talk about health in Africa. We've seen the headlines, the breaking news, and the word is out that Afrigen has embarked on a very exciting journey to establish an mRNA technology transfer hub in South Africa. What can you tell us about the hub, what it is and what it will do? Thank you very much for the opportunity to participate and contribute to Medicines for Africa. The first mRNA hub based here at Afrigen in Cape Town is an initiative under the COVAX objectives to over a multi-year program establish capacity and capabilities in low and middle income countries to produce vaccines. First a COVID vaccine and then a pipeline of other vaccines relevant for the burden of diseases in these countries. The key players here is Afrigen, Biologics and Vaccines and BioVac, based in Cape Town and a group of universities in South Africa and also in Africa, building long-term pipeline and sustainability for this initiative. I'd like to understand what made Afrigen's case particularly compelling. I understand the WHO made a call for expression of interest on the 16th of April to establish this hub and 28 offers were received, 25 of which were coming out of low and middle income countries. What in your opinion set you apart from the other bidders and made Afrigen's case particularly compelling in the WHO competitive bidding process? What made Afrigen and its consortium a very attractive partner for the WHO who announced this award um, on the 21st of June, 2021, was the fact that we've put a consortium together which are quite powerful and, and, could, and can deliver on the objectives of COVAX and the objectives of mRNA hub, which is a technology transfer and training entity that will establish processes, develop product and quality assistance, produce the first product for clinical trials before transferring this technology for commercial production to BioVac and other spokes in Africa and hopefully in other low and middle income countries. Afrigen is a young, agile, fast-moving commercial entity with experience in, in technology transfer, with a formulation capability relevant for mRNA and other vaccines, and a relationship with universities and key partners, which are conducive to creating a sustainable platform in Africa. The wonderful thing about this, this consortium is also that we had a facility ready-made to receive equipment and technology and start process development, hitting the ground running. That was a very important objective for the WHO who wants to fast track this and have results as soon as possible. In addition, as Afrigen with BioVac put a consortium together that has a longer term sustainability objective. This consortium, which includes key universities in South Africa and some in Africa, as a first phase, which is genomic surveillance and identification of variants in Africa for COVID-19, 
a second phase of preliminary testing of RNA vaccines to establish proof of concept, follow on from there pre-GMP mRNA production and following to GMP RNA vaccine production suitable for clinical trials to produce ultimately safe, effective and affordable vaccines for Africa. That's quite interesting. So you were in fact at the right place at the right time. You already had facilities that uh, could be built on, something that was ready to go and you just needed to, to bring other elements, other partners on board to get it started. So what is your vision? Where do you want to see this go in five, 10, 20 years time? So um, for me first in the short term is for us to meet the goal to produce clinical trial material of the first COVID vaccine, mRNA-based vaccine here in Capta, within 12 to 14 months, to meet that first objective, demonstrate the capacity, the capability to produce a vaccine that meets all the safety and efficacy requirements in a, in a regular PICS regulatory um, setting. Then to transfer that knowledge to BioVac to produce larger scale, vaccines suitable for human use immediately and also to transfer to, to other entities in Africa that already has put out commitments, uh, countries like Botswana, uh, Ethiopia, uh, Rwanda and Senegal is very much on the forefront but there are countries now already that's put their hands up and say we will support this, we will fund this, we want to establish sufficient capacity for the African continent. I see this um, in, the, in the next five years that Africa will be able to produce at least 50% of the vaccines, the COVID-19 vaccine that we require. That is, that is a very ambitious target, but I believe it is very, very possible if we see now how teamwork and how there's, there's, there's suddenly a wave going through Africa that nobody is going to stop. There is, a, there is a commitment from governments in multiple areas to put facilities on the ground, to train people. Afrigen will do everything we can to build uh, the capacity that we need. In 10 years from now, I see us producing most of the vaccines of, of the, for the burden of disease in Africa. Those diseases that is not priority for the rest of the world. Um, so I have a vision of, of, of Africa in 10 years from now having vaccine security because we have the ability to produce, we supply, and we will build around that an economic system of multipliers in terms of the enzymes, the raw materials. We, we'll build an industry. We can build an industry around this. Um, I, I, have, I have an incredible passion for, for Africa becoming self-sustaining. We, as long as we receive the essential medicines we need through donor aid organizations uh, from, from, from manufacturers in US and Europe, we will always stand with our hands out to receive. We need to change that. Absolutely, I couldn't agree with you more. And certainly those are very ambitious targets. And of course, we need to aim high. If anything is worth doing, you have to aim as high as you can. And it's great that African governments are pulling together, as you say, and making commitments to make this work so that we can stop always, you know, being in that position of going out to the world with our hands out, as you say. And it's time, COVID has shown that it's time that we stand on our own feet and we are able to secure our the health of our people. So excellent work that you and the team and everybody who's involved are doing to make this happen. So the technology transfer hubs will be training facilities where technology is established at industrial scale and clinical development will be done you know, with all the partners contributing. The WHO will bring in the production know-how, the quality control and necessary license to a single institution to facilitate 
rapid uh, technology transfer. Does this mean that AfriGen will be the main recipient of the licenses that the WHO and, and medicines patent pool and others might negotiate? And then you can basically implement and take that forward into, into development, further development and production. And yes, there are a number of models that we at the moment exploring. I think it's essential to say that we have to develop a model that will create sufficient comfort for the for the owners of technology to enter into these license agreements. Um, it is important that in that process of technology transfer that we are we are enabled to use the platform transfer to Afrigen for other vaccine candidates and that we have the freedom to use to, to have exclusivity at least for Africa. So the medicines patent pool are carefully structuring um, the most suitable governance process and governance model to ensure we have a sustainable long term freedom to operate, that we can meet the goals that we set supplying Africa, and that we have we create an environment where the owners of intellectual property are sharing. Um, and, and these are complex, complex discussions. Um, but um, you know, in, in my view, this has been done before. I think a fantastic example is the is is, is the antiretroviral patent pool uh, uh, achievements. Um, and, and so the stage has been set for a almost open source model, but with 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 boundaries around Africa. If I can use that analogy. Mm. Well, certainly it has been done before and you're certainly working with partners like the Medicines Patent Pool who have a lot of experience structuring these kinds of agreements and transferring technology in a way that creates value for the people bringing the technology and those receiving the technology. So that certainly uh, brings a lot of hope and potential for the success of this project. So in terms of the division of labor, what is the role that the parties involved will play starting from African biologics, what's your specific role, um, WHO, COVAX, BioVac and, and others? What is the division of labor? So let me start with the African. So African uh, will have a facility equipped and suitable meeting all GMP and regulatory requirements to produce end-to-end -end, from the drug substance to the final formulated drug product, full finished, a capacity of about 10,000 vials uh, per day, um, uh, and full process documentation, full regulatory approval for a package that meets um, clinical trial standards. We will then run the phase one clinical trial to, to demonstrate equivalence or required safety, whichever are the endpoints, depending on the technology provider. That package, that complete end-to-end -end manufacturing package with quality control, quality assurance will then be transferred to BioVac as the first recipient and then other entities as second and third and fourth recipients. What Afrigen will receive from medicine's patent pool is the license conditions, the technology transfer conditions, and the enabling, the enablement of producing that, that mRNA vaccine that is at specification, safety, efficacy, and affordable. Um, medicine's patent pool will, will also appoint key technical advisors to the pro project. WHO uh, brings in technical advisors, technical committees that will advise, but also very important regulatory support. Now, as we sit in South Africa, there is no company in Africa that has an end-to-end -end vaccine production approval for a COVID-19 vaccine. So for us, there's a lot of learning, um, even in the regulatory systems learning. So WHO will bring regulatory training, support, uh, quality management systems, integrated management systems into the hub to ensure that we meet all those, those requirements. 
Biovac then, once they've received the full technology package, they will scale up or scale out, you know, for, for mRNA, it's something, it's probably going to be modular, they will scale out. And the capacity discussions at the moment is between 50 and 100 million vials production, uh, full finish, and then distribution into Africa according to the rules of the license agreement and the freedom giving to the license agreement. COVAX will oversee and assist with market access, with, with distribution, with supply to ensure what we produce under this integrated hub reaches the patients in Africa. Medical Research Council coordinates a research program, look at the candidates, look at new sequences, looking, looking at rapid responses, um, and of course, uh, the research that will support uh, enzyme production, we are creating biofoundries to look at can we become uh, self-sustaining in terms of some of the enzymes and raw material requirements. Uh, we have partnerships with Thermo Fisher Scientific that will bring in equipment um, and also will bring in demonstration models that will allow us to very quickly start training. So this, this, this is an in incredibly um, integrated partnership that, that, we, that is built here. African Union, of course, supporting, looking at where should there be spokes to the hub. What is a financially, economically sustainable model? How many hubs? How many, how, how many spokes? Um, let's ensure that we can also create economic and financial sustainability, not only vaccine uh, security. This, this is a very integrated, careful um, uh, uh, decision-making that will happen over the next few years. Um, there's this fantastic work, work that's been done across Africa around sequences, sequences, you know, sequencing and looking for the new variants. We must be sure that we can make a vaccine that's relevant for the variants in Africa or as broadly protected as we possi possibly can. It sounds like a well thought out program with a lot of complementarities between the partners. So you will be doing end-to-end -end production, you know, development and production of that technology. And so BioVac in this partnership will really be uh, sort of receiving and distributing that will be a distribution partner for, for what is coming out of your factories, or will they also have a production uh, role in this? The BioVac will have a commercial production role. Um, they will produce the large-scale uh, vaccines. They, they may not be the distributor. There may be partners brought in from different African territories where the vaccine is designated to go to and have multiple or more than one distributor or go work through the COVAX systems that exist to ensure that, that the vaccines are distributed to where they should go. Um, and not outside of South Af outside of Africa, because we want to make sure that what we produce here meets the needs of Africa, not produce here and, and, and then supply maybe Europe or other other territories. I think that that is that's quite an important objective for the hub. Let's talk about then the potential sources of the technology. Biovac, a South African biopharmaceutical company, is doing fill and finish for uh, for the Pfizer vaccine. And the public-private partnership established in 2003 to bring local vaccine manufacturing capabilities and ensure national health security. Has Pfizer signaled that it might be interested in participating in this hub since they already are a partner uh, for BioVac? So the discussions are ongoing with with a number of partners. Um, if if we look at the media, Pfizer made a decision, and and it's an important decision to also ensure that we have have vaccine availability in the short to, to medium term. Pfizer has made a decision that they will set up full finish facilities at Biovac and import bulk, full finish, and distribute into Africa. That complements. The, the process of, of the hub, and, and we really, really welcome that. That in itself has a timeline of, of, of 18 months to, to be completed. So there's, again, there's a number of parallel lines that runs in terms of immediate supply, longer term supply, and ultimately sustainable supply to, to, the, to the continent. Biovac has, has, has a fantastic track record in supplying 
mostly full finish uh, uh, vaccines for, for pediatric use and now also COVID-19 uh, vaccine supply to South Africa. So they are certainly the, 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 the pinnacle of, 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 uh, of fast tracking delivery and sustainability for, for, for at least for Southern Africa. Certainly. And the fact that they are working already with uh, Pfizer, they will have quite a lot of experience handling at least those last stages of, of vaccine production, which would be very useful for, for the project that you're working on. What about the role of the French government? So President Emmanuel Macron uh, of France visited South Africa just before the announcement of this agreement. And he said that France was committed to supporting efforts in Africa to scale up local production of COVID vaccines and other medical solution. And we know that BioNTech is making a lot of moves in Africa with its mRNA vaccines also uh, in Senegal and in other places. But BioNTech is a German company. Are there any French companies that are also involved in this effort? So two two levels on, of of French uh, participation from the French government's side enormous support. Uh, you know, medicines patent pool based in France also in Paris, but um, we we have found that over the last two months of very intense discussions that a lot of the impetus and the and the support and the drive for support was very much strongly from the French government. Uh, and and we we believe that we will have a long road to walk with them. Mm. In terms of French companies, uh, no. Uh, there's, there's, of course, um, um, Sanofi has announced the mRNA hub concept also to build further capacity. Um, we hope to engage with them. Uh, Sanofi is a company that we have really great respect and has a great track record of working with South Africa. In terms of Biontech, uh, yes, they have um, they've made a decision, not uh, COVID-19, no, no, no technology transfer decision or intention communicated yet. But they have an intention to look at the malaria vaccine uh, to be a platform to be set up in uh, in uh, in Senegal, and that's been announced. Again, that we welcome all the efforts and all the help we can get to establish the knowledge, the capacity, and the capability. And malaria is for the burden of disease in Africa. Malaria is incredibly relevant. It is a vaccine in very early stage of development yet, so it is a long journey. To, to, to commercial or to market authorization, but it is an intention that, that is welcomed. I, I, I really, you know, from average, might be, there's an inclusivity in, in, in the ecosystem that we're creating. Um, and and I, 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 I don't think about competition. I don't want us to have a debate about this one competing with this one. I'm saying we need all the help we can get. We know where we're going, and then there's no turning back. Biontech. Then, if it's malaria is what you want to bring to Africa, yes, bring it. And what better place as, as Senegal, which already has, has significant platforms for vaccine production? Absolutely. It's certainly not a competition. We, we do need a production capacity that is geographically distributed across the continent. So all of these efforts, are, you're are quite right, they are very welcome and they are each in its own right quite important for the whole that we want to achieve. So besides France, are there any other governments from the North that are you know, very involved in this? Belgium perhaps, Germany, the yes. US? Yes, so there has been there's been a few meetings with with what we call the funders meeting and support meetings, and it is amazing. I, I can share with you the engagements are with the EC European Union, the European Commission. There's engagement with the US uh, 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 very strongly, um, Germany, of course, France. Um, there there are engagements from foundations. Uh, you know the philanthropic foundations. There's six or seven talking to us um, currently actively. Um, in, and it's what what was what is amazing for me personally when when the project was was launched and and we know technic technologically and technical this is going to be a wonderful challenge. But scientists like that. And from a regulatory perspective, this is going to be a fantastic challenge. But those are the things that excite us. What worried me in the beginning is. Where is the funding going to come from? And where I sit here, there is already approvals for funding, uh, which will be communicated in time. Funding is suddenly not an issue. 
it is it is there it's it will be there it is done it will have it will be supported over the next 10 years provided that we meet our milestones we deliver on the promise we've made for africa so it's 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 the funding for me was a very wonderfully surprising journey that's that's really wonderful to hear you've made the business case you've made the investment case clearly that's a convincing business case and investment case and it's great that investors are stepping forward and you no longer have to worry about the money you can focus on getting the job done and i can see that you're the woman for the job for sure so uh, <laughs> so it's it's wonderful Join us in the second episode of our conversation with Professor Petro Terblanche, the Managing Director of Afrigen Biologics and Vaccines, as we delve deeper into one of the most exciting biotechnology companies that is emerging out of Africa. Thank you for watching today. The fastest route to product, obviously, um, I'm sure in the long term, you're looking to have your own R&D pipeline where you have products that are coming up that will go into development. But the fastest route to product right now is to work with a partner who already has a vaccine, hopefully one that has marketing authorization already. Do you already know um, who is providing the IP that's going to get you started, at least in the vaccine production? Do you already have a partner? Or, and, and will you, as Afrigen, be doing your own bilateral negotiations with potential partners? Or are you going to rely on the, the competencies of the WHO, the medicines patent pool, and others in interfacing with technology owners? So I think very important from Afrigen's side is to um, work in very close teamwork with the WHO and Medicines Patent Pool. We would not engage into bilateral discussions with any licensed providers because we, we believe that would be counter and contrary to the spirit of, of this, this partnership. We, we rely on, on Medicines Patent Pool, WHO, um, to lead us there. Of course we participate. We, we have, we have started discussions with partners in October last year, and hence why we built the facility, which, which now um, is being dedicated to, to, to this course. Um, we hope that we would, in the very near future, uh, be able to have concrete concrete uh, agreements with partners. In the meantime, we're making an mRNA um, drug substance. Uh, we, sequences are available. We have the capability and the, and the competence. So we make copies um, of, of these vaccines while there are discussions ongoing around um, intellectual property rights. Um, we we have we have quite significantly competent scientific and, and bioprocessing engineers in this country that we're now pulling together. Um, so we're not waiting. The short answer is we're not waiting for a license agreement to be signed before we start uh, making some of these these making a drug a substance um, and a drug product based on a sequence that we know we can access. We can we can make a plasmid if we need to. This 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 the capability exists in South Africa. Um, yeah, and, and that's part of fast tracking. Interesting, we are talking to a number of partners. Um, the, the, current, um, the current market authorized uh, vaccines, Moderna and Pfizer, is, is, is maybe more difficult. But we're talking to partners who, who have platforms and who have vaccines, vaccine candidates in development. So we have not restricted our discussions to one or two um, one or two companies we've, we've put it a bit broader that now of course this is a sensitive sensitive topic because there are yes. so many moving parts and there are so Absolutely. many so much vested interest in different parties yeah uh, but yeah I, th I think the, the the important thing is we are not waiting for a license agreement to be signed to start working and to mm -hmm. learn but it sounds like there are some low-hanging fruits already if you already have an mrna product that you're working on in-house um, that's that's awesome. That's really excellent. The important thing is we are not waiting for a license agreement to be signed to start working and to learn. 
but it sounds like there's some low hanging fruits already. If you already have an mRNA product that you're working on in-house, um, that's, that's awesome. That's really excellent. And it sounds like the likely profile, the lowest hanging fruit in terms of a potential partner would be a developer who already has developed an experimental mRNA vaccine for, for coronavirus or for something else, but perhaps who hasn't achieved a licensed product yet, perhaps people like CureVac, the German biotech or Translate Bio, which is a partner of Sanofi Pasteur, would you say that that would be a low hanging fruit in terms of the pathway to achieving this? These are definitely the low-hanging fruits. There are about four or five potential partners. And you're right, because the incentive for them is this will fast track. Um, and this will give them give them access, and they have much less to lose, in a way, um, than the Pfizer's and the Moderna's. Um, I still hope um, that you know Pfizer, the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines are good vaccines. They're really, really good vaccines. I still hope that that they will reach out and 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 enter into an agreement with uh, with us that will be that will that will not affect their share share value and will will you know will create the sustainability fast track sustainability that we really want absolutely well you can always hope for 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 the best case scenario but in the meantime i think the wonderful thing is that you're able to move already with what you have you're not holding out for the big thing that would be nice to achieve, but might be more difficult to achieve. So the technology transfer is a very lengthy process. It's complex, it's expensive, and it requires a lot of handholding, massive investment of time and resources on the part of, of, um, of the partner. Um, in the case of BioVac, for example, they had a bilateral agreement with Sanofi to make Hexasim or expanded uh, program of immunization that, that they are making right now. And in your consortium, in this partnership, you have so many parties with very diverse interests, possibly serving different masters in terms of their governance and who they report to. Will this weaken or strengthen the potential for success of your project? And do you think it might influence the willingness of, of potential partners to come on board or it's, it's, it's really going to encourage them to come on board? No, I think I think you you're raising a very very important point, um, and and I'm I'm saying this with great compassion and tongue in cheek. We're herding cats here. We're herding cats. <laughs> we try to. Oh, do. herding cats. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> yes. So, so it is complex. It is. I I am. You know, because we you know we 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 delivery orientated. We look at efficiencies. I look at cost efficiencies. I look at I look at at pathways and I'm looking at minimize wastage. So, so we're very efficiently driven because, you know, Afrigen is a biotech startup company. We don't have the luxury to, to, have, to have too many loose ends. But um, we, we also have the long, so, so the complexity of the multiple parties, the universities, the MRC, this wonderful consortium of learned and technical and scientists is, is is the third objective, and it's a long-term, 10-year program. The focus on the immediate first steps, get this hub going, get the technology transfer, um, make the first uh, drug product, and get it into clinical trials, is actually quite focused. This is Atrigen, and the tech transfer partner, Biovac is being, is, is, is in, in, in a way parallel uh, participating and the regulatory people, it is actually incredibly focused. So we, I, I realized when you made, when you asked the question that we're painting a picture of these multiple universities and science councils and it looks incredibly chaotic. That is the third objective and that's being managed. That's where we manage that very carefully and, and there's a lot of dynamics. But the first objective is incredibly focused. Fantastic. So Afrigen, Afrigen has put the first scientists on this project. Afrigen with which university? These are the, these are the two closed partners are already in training. We're making we've made the drug substance. We will formulate. We will make a drug product. Um, that, that so so I think that's very important for for people listening to this to understand that there is a focus component because that's the way we're going to deliver. And, and you're right, that will also bring bigger comfort 
to whoever provides the technology that there is not it is not it will be controlled and managed wonderful wonderful so it sounds like it's a roadmap starting with 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 a very specific focus with a, you know a, 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 a tight group of of partners who are young like african and agile and can knows how to move a product to market and and then eventually gradually uh, in later stages bringing in additional partners to expand the scope of the work being done yeah it is parallel processes so while the scientists are putting the longer term program together we are also driving the first de deliverable so it, it is it is three parallel lines but it is um yeah, it is it's carefully managed and it is it is challenging, but it's also very, very exciting. Yes, yes. Well, there are never any simple answers to a lot of these complex challenges. And and I'm sure it's you are managing it the best way possible to, to make it work, to set it up for success. So let's talk about the marketplace. You you have already invested about 130 million rand, the equivalent of 9 million US dollars in building your own ultra-sterile facility that you mentioned at the beginning was already there um, and, and was part of the, the package you presented in terms of why you made the most suitable um, company to lead this at the beginning. And you will have a capacity of about 30 to 50 million doses a year, I understand. And the global marketplace is a pretty competitive place. Um, and you know, for, for at the moment, because of the demand for manufacturing components and production inputs are very, very high. Um, I heard the, the, the CEO of Moderna talking about how incredibly difficult it is to get equipment and, and all those elements that you need to, to get a factory and keep a factory running. Has this in any way affected your efforts to, to, to get your facilities finished and fitted with the right equipment in time for you to meet the timelines that you have to get started? So yes, the, the, the lag time for equipment, yes, certainly. We've already seen that. We have, uh, we're waiting for a bioreactor now two months overdue. Um, but but again, there is, there, is, there is a pulling together now of, um, governments, uh, private, sec private sector, and suppliers in India, uh, Europe, and, and the United States. That it's a strange thing. It's almost as if, as if, as if there's a the vision that we've created and what we're driving for resonates with other other organisations and other people. And I think it's maybe it's also part of the global ethics debate. You know, how do we ensure that we that we we create this capacity on this continent? So we it is a challenge for us. And therefore the RD group, again the, the group that's a multiple consortia, as one or two groups that looking at the concept of a biofoundry already looking at enzymes. We have you know South Africa is one of the has some of the best organic chemists in the on the globe. We have you know we have very good very good scientists, already looking at can we manufacture, can we produce some of these critical raw materials internally. Um, I can share that large companies like Thermo Fisher Scientific is really supporting us and trying to fast track to get us critical equipment. But yes, it is, it is a bottleneck that we have to maneuver through and that we will have to manage. Excellent. No, well, you know, it's uh, it is the nature of the environment, and you just have to sort of negotiate your way through it and work with partners that you've already got on board who are going to support you know your 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 speedy your rapid uh, sort of uh, completion of your facility. So let's jump onto mRNA vaccines just to explain to our viewers what they are and why all the hype around uh, mRNA vaccines. Um, so perhaps the one thing to mention, I think, is that messenger RNA uh, vaccine technology has been around for quite some time, at least a decade, during which human clinical trials using mRNA uh, vaccines against cancer were being done, going as far back as 2011. And so they've been tested in people 
uh, important to mention here, not in Africa. <laughs> They've been tested in the West. And so scientists know a lot about them. And we know that they are perfectly safe. And of course, Moderna and BioNTech are the first sort of mRNA vaccines to, to, to reach licensing, to go through the development process and get licensed. And what I'm trying to get into is why it took so long to, to, to make, to bring um, mRNA vaccines onto the market. It was because they are rapidly degraded. When you inject them, they are broken down before they can generate an immune reaction. So what is important then to, to deliver an mRNA vaccine is to have a delivery system, right? For making sure that they are not immediately broken. They stick around for a couple of days long enough at least to generate an immune response before they are broken down. So coming back to Afrigen, is this one of the things that you have to offer? You are working on formulations which are focusing on delivery system. Does Afrigen have a delivery system that helps to mask and clock mRNA so that when it's injected, it has time to generate an immune response? Is that one of the capabilities that you already have? Thank you for bringing this home to the absolute essence of Afrigen and why we were created and what we've done in, in the first two years of our existence. So Afrigen is essentially a formulation platform. We created the first formula adjuvant formulation facility on the African continent here in Cape Town in 2018. So Afrigen was founded by one of our founding, founding organizations was the Infectious Diseases Research Institute based in Seattle. And IDRI has a library of novel adjuvants, excipients, but also multiple formulation uh, processes to stabilize these adjuvants, to ensure maximum safety, maximum Im immune responses, uh, trigger different immune responses required by different types of vaccines. Mm. So that was, and, and, and I haven't, I should have said it earlier, for the WHO and reviewing the proposals from the consortium, this was important. We already have a lab here with all the tools you need to make um, nanoparticles, to make liposomal uh, particles, to make stable emulsions or stable formulations for a number of, of, of single uh, number of entities, um, vaccines or adjuvants or single molecules, complex mixtures. So Afrigen is very keen now to use our formulation capabilities and the depth of knowledge that we've developed and also even new adjuvants that we, we've developed to apply this to the drug substance that we've made uh, in the Vitz laboratories. So we very, very well geared to do some formulation work. Interesting just to share with you, in, in 2019, Afrigen was part of the Global Oncology Initiative that was launched um, in South Africa at the Bio uh, Africa Convention, focus, focusing on mRNA technology for application in oncology. And so we, we've been in this space, uh, on, in the background, quietly as a small startup company for some time. And now we have an opportunity to really, really work with the difficult part because you're absolutely right. mRNA platforms are not new and it's a fantastic production platform. It is cost effective, effective, it's versatile, it scales. It's the formulation component to ensure that we have a stable drug product going into humans. And that's that's our passion. That's where African scientists are. If you want to see their eyes lit up, you must tell them to formulate something. Well, I'm I'm very excited just listening to you. I'll be knocking on your door looking for a job, Prof. This is <laughs> super exciting. I mean, and if Afrigen has a delivery system and, and, and all of these formulations that you're talking about that, that you know, really helps you to, to deliver, um, a stable mRNA product, I think that's a massive game changer that really sets 
Afrigen up for, for a lot of uh, potential and possibilities in the future. So this is massively exciting. And um, yeah, if you have a job, I think I'll be the first in line for a job. <laughs> so Please come because, you... because we also have a popcorn machine. <laughs> well, know, I have to share this with you. We're a startup company. So the first plant, when we built our facility last year, the first plant we commissioned was the popcorn machine. You know, that seals it for me. I'm sold. You've sold it. The technology exciting, the popcorn machine, that, that's it. I'm in, definitely. So, um, yeah, Prof, so can you just explain to us the why mRNA uh, technologies particularly suited for Africa's needs and, 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 you know, for the African continent? And, you know, why is this technology a suitable uh, path to follow? I think the general view uh, on, and I've, you know, I've recently seen a paper from the uh, um, MSF, Medicine Sound Frontiers, on on why mRNA technology would be would be suitable, and of course, there's a lot in the science and a lot um, in the in the media, and we've we've heard Moderna talking about the 17 step synthesis for a you know very complex uh, process. Um, however, I think the general understanding also from my scientist is that this is very versatile. It's a very cost-effective production system. If you get the formulation right, and our challenge is still to get to thermostability and get to uh, four to eight degrees or even better, get to a room temperature stable uh, vaccine. That will be very good for Africa. Um, it, it, is, it scales well and it scales out. You have modulars, so you have even flexibility in what you build. Um, it's not a hugely expensive platform to establish uh, because um, most our platforms that we've worked in African is microbial, and because this is expression in E. coli systems, this is this is something that that we felt that we could that we could uh, we could really capitalize on. And for Africa, um, I think this is is very future relevant because the other component is we need a platform that allow us to do rapid development, and mRNA provides that. So if all together, um, if Africa had to make a choice to establish platforms for future relevance, mRNA just ticks all the boxes. Absolutely. I think the cost-effective component especially is very important. And of course, the thermostability, we will you know, come to that in a moment. So, But you, you, you talk about the cost-effectiveness. What would you say to those people who say, um, as a critic, that this technology is far too expensive and not suitable for needs in resource-limited setting, citing the I, current existing I, vaccines I, being the most expensive, the mRNA ones? I think uh, we must understand why they are the most expensive at the moment. I am, um, I, you know, there's only two suppliers, mm. um, and and we are. It's in a, it, it's a really rapid, fast track. Uh, development, there there will be uh, opportunity to 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 do it more cost effectively. I, I believe that's part of the development that we also have to look at. How do we ensure this this is affordable? Yes. I, maybe maybe I'm a simple mind. I just don't see things being impossible. I I just I I, I just um, I, I've heard the debates around how will Africa be sustainably produce these vaccines? We should have only one facility that produces a billion doses. I think the unit economics for mRNA facilities have changed. I think the unit economics for vaccine facilities have changed. The same is happening with single-use reactive technologies in the production of monoclonal antibodies or, or, or biosimilars. I, I want to challenge the paradigms of the, uh, the, the, the business and, and analysts and the financial modelers to look at the unit of economics of a facility that produces only 50 million vials or 20 million vials and tell me why it cannot be sustainable in a market of 1.6 billion people to be vaccinated on this continent. I, I, I think that will be, actually, in fact, I think that will be a great business school project to run by a few MBAs as quickly as possible. Let's challenge those paradigms that this is unaffordable technology. Absolutely. Pushing boundaries, challenging paradigms. That's 
certainly, uh, you know, something that's needed. You know, there are so many paradigms, I think, at the moment that need to be questioned and, and, and pushed so that we can uh, try to come up with better solutions than we've had. But I think, you know, this technology also, you know, gives, you know, puts in your hands tremendous agility. You dis dispense with the need for the virus in order to develop a vaccine. So all you need is a virus isolated from sick patients and to have it sequenced. So you have the viral genome sequenced and you're good to go. I mean, for yeah. Moderna, it took them what? Just over a month to produce a, va a vaccine from the time they had the sequence released from Wuhan uh, to, you know, to, to having something that could actually start going into clinical trials. So, yeah. so I think this really is a, a very exciting technology in terms, especially for outbreak responses where speed is particularly important. And of course, for all the other reasons that you, you mentioned. So how far are you from a thermostable uh, mRNA or, or something that can be kept at, at room temperature, for, for example? Is that uh, something that's quite uh, not far in the horizon? No, it's, 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 we're not at proof of concept. Um, and I have to say, one of the partners that we're hoping to engage may be able to um, add to our knowledge base to move this more rapidly. Um, we, have, we have concepts and we have, uh, we have the toys in our labs to be able to work with it. And of course, we now have a drug substance that we will start doing dabbling. As my, the scientists are saying, we're going to start dabbling. Um, and, and we have ideas, but um, we hope also to have a partner that can help fast track us. And we have this one or two companies that would certainly be able to contribute to that. And we hope that those, those, we would be able to get those to participate. So we are a young company uh, with a lot of things going, but ready um, to, to, to engage in significant business-to-business -business engagement. So let's quickly jump onto the, um, another product that, you, that Afrigen makes, the adjuvants, which are really components of vaccines that improve the potency of a vaccine and how long the protection um, the, that is generated by a vaccine can last. So you're involved in, in developing manufacturing, uh, bulk manufacturing, adjuvants and supplying and distributing them and, and other uh, biologics uh, to address unmet health needs. Which adjuvants and biologics are you already making? Can you tell us a little bit about those products and, and, and what you're doing in-house? So maybe let me put that uh, correctly. We have uh, a number of adjuvant formulations and a number of adjuvants we're working with. We have a full library um, that we formulate. Um, and, and of course, some of it is uh, dose sparing, some of it is re repurposing vaccines, and some of it is also for host-directed therapy. So our portfolio is in R&D space. We have supplied adjuvant formulations to partners for R&D purposes uh, because our facility, which was we started to build, um, you know, we're a young company. We started to build on the um, 27th of April, 2020, in the midst of lockdown, COVID-19 lockdown. We started building our GMP facilities. And in February this year, we started building the mRNA vaccine facility and it's done. So we now have, uh, HVAC systems, we have GMP facilities that we can start engaging on business-to-business -business, uh, agreements to formulate and supply, supply adjuvants. We have, for the th last three years of our um, scientific work, worked with vaccine candidates, and it's quite interesting. Most of our vaccine candidates are in the veterinary space. Um, and th there's a few reasons for it. Our adjuvants are applicable to veterinary, but also because the hurdles to regulatory approval and the timelines to market is shorter, the platform is the same. We are working with UCT on an HIV vaccine uh, where we've provided a number of adjuvants with formulations and we're busy in, in preclinical testing uh, with University of Cape Town. And of course, we have a TB vaccine that we are provides to with ITRI that's in clinical development. Uh, we are geared to... Um, to provide adjuvants and formulated adjuvants 
to partners um, uh, outside of Big Pharma. As you know, the adjuvant and adjuvant formulation libraries mostly sit within Big Pharma, an essential part of vaccine development. We're one of the few companies outside of Big Pharma and outside the US and Europe that has the ability to formulate adjuvants and now have facilities that would meet um, requirements for regulatory. So we are a young company uh, with a lot of things going, but ready um, to, to, to engage in significant business-to-business -business engagement. And that's separate from the hub. We are carefully ring-fencing um, the hub facilities for the, for the social group purpose that we have now dedicated. And maybe I can just mention that what was amazing for Afrigen, we built this facility, this vaccine facility, for our own uh, uh, candidate vaccines to take through market. But our shareholders made the decision when the hub um, was announced to us to dedicate this in a public-private partnership to the hub, which is amazing. But at the same time, we still have our own business and our, and our pipeline that we're moving through development. That's, that's a really important point to make. And um, a young company with a very exciting combination of products uh, that really come, out, come, come together very nicely to, to make a very strong commercial case and you know, really sets you up to be very competitive, I think, in the future. But um, I think the other thing, you know, just looking at your company, Prof, what, what potential investors might be interested in knowing is that um, you, uh, Afrigen, has also been developing products in one of the fastest growing sectors uh, in the medical cannabis sector yes. you have a product uh, for controlling pain inflammation and anxiety please tell us a little bit more about the work you're doing in that space so this is a wonderful story and allows me again to go back to the roots of the company so african set up this adjuvant formulation uh, center and we then expanded our formulation capabilities to all sorts of molecules single molecules apis biologics because we, as a young young company, we know that a formulation platform that would be really, really resilient and market relevant must be one that has depth and has has scope. So we strategically choose certain molecules and certain um, products to formulate. And why we entered into the cannabinoid, the CBD market, is CBD oil is low bioavailability, non-soluble, uh, not water-soluble, um, difficult to work with, and a very, very complex mixture and a great challenge for formulation. So we use our adjuvant formulation knowledge and capabilities, and we apply that to the complex mixture of a broad-spectrum cannabis oil. And we produced a water-soluble, beautiful uh, product, um, which has stability, in, in, enormous stability um, uh, records. We have stability chambers here. We do all the zones of the world. We have 12, 18-month stability data on a water-soluble CBD that you can now put in beverages, in food, you can put it in medicines. And we then made a decision, just because we wanted to learn how to take a product to market, to take our CBD products to market. And we actually launched six SKUs um, in the CBD range, a balm, um, a, a muscle rub, fantastic muscle rub, a dropper, a sachet um, for as a complementary medicine. And we're exporting that to the US. We are we are doing uh, we we have partnerships in the UK with TTS Pharma, a wonderful partnership to move into the UK market. And we have filed a novel food dossier uh, with TTS Pharma uh, to get regulatory approval in the US. And in South Africa, we have SupraCams approval for our six SKUs. We in the next two weeks will launch a veterinary range for cats and dogs. And the beautiful one, the cat one, we formulate it in a paste. You put a little dose on the foot of the cat and they leak it because that's the behavior of cats. Mm -hmm. So this is this is this is something that the team did because we wanted to build the depth and the scope for our capabilities. And it actually now is a fun project that also has suddenly brought enormous value into this company. Wow, yours has got to be one of the most exciting companies coming out of Africa right now. 
it's uh, it's pretty incredible. I mean, medical cannabinoids are a, a, a huge, an area of huge potential interest. The FDA, the UK MHRA, have approved uh, products to treat seizures in young children, and and the market is estimated to be worth sixteen billion dollars in twenty twenty one and will be growing, uh, projected to grow to $46 billion in five years. So a huge, huge area of, of, of growth, um, mostly driven by the US and European market to which it sounds like you have already entered. What are the trends in Africa? How big is the opportunity for medical cannabinoids in the African space? I think the long-term opportunity will, will escalate as the rest of the world. But at the moment, regulatory issues is, is holding this industry back. Um, there are very few African countries that has uh, regulatory systems in place and put regulatory uh, enabling, empowerment into, into place. Um, even in South Africa, there's still, there's still a lot of uncertainty uh, around uh, way forward. Um, so I, I think I think Africa will lag um, the, 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 the way for the rest of the world. But Africa has a number of growers now. I think we, we Africa is getting stronger. If you look at Lesotho, you know, look at what um, is going to happen in Malawi, um, Zimbabwe, Zimbabwe licensing also, growers. Yeah. So mm. I think th this will lag, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to first blossom around cultivation. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, extraction, and then we will we'll look at at, at uh, the medicinal applications. And African certainly are, are, are in connect, connecting with some of these growers to get access to oil, because at the moment we import our oil from the United States, right. and we and we then convert it here in this beautiful product. And we actually also have gone into clinical trials. I've, I, I've, I've omitted to mention that we 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 already preparing for our first clinical trial with Farmers, which is the uh, clinical trial organisation based in South Africa in Bloemfontein. And what we're going to do is demonstrate that our our highly soluble, stable cannabinoid mix, cannabinoid CBD mixture has a superior bioavailability. Because that then gives us the dose bearing. It gives us control over, over dose and, and, and dose response effects. I think, you know, it, it, it will, you know, definitely have a lot of uh, potential in Africa as once the awareness grows of its medical application and how other countries are increasingly um, using it for medical purposes. So it will catch on, I think, in Africa. So... Very exciting combination of products, very exciting project. What will it take for Afrigen to start uh, producing mRNA vaccines at scale? And um, how, far, how far are we from that? So we, um, we have the facility completed with basic equipment, autoclaves, washers, HVAC system. We're waiting for the equipment, which will be end-to-end -end equipment. That might take another three to six months. But parallel with that, we are now doing the training and developing the, the drug substance and drug product. It will take funding, which I believe now for the hub will come. Uh, we are fairly secure. We require the tech partner. We need we, to really fast track us. We need a tech partner with experience, on scale, process, process, QAQC to partner with us. That will fast track us. Um, and we need to hire people. We're going we're gonna to recruit uh, production pharmacists, uh, bioprocessing engineers, analytical chemists, uh, molecular biologists, uh, recruiting about 20 people in the next three to six months. Wow. Um, then we need to bring them together um, and and run the processes um, and finalize the full process development, full, full technology package to be able to scale, firstly to buy back, firstly ourselves, a small, small capacity, and then to, to scale to buy back. And hopefully at that time, we can scale to one or two other African countries also that may be ready with their facilities. Yes, it sounds like you have done a lot by yourselves and now you need a technology partner to come on board money is not a big problem you already have two large 
Vistas, um, Avacare Healthcare Group and the Industrial Development Corporation of South Africa. And presumably that will add on to the other investors who are coming on uh, through the hub. Are you looking to bring more investors on board? And what, what is the one thing you would say to them which makes Afrigen's future particularly exciting that you'd want them to know? So the one beautiful thing about the hub is that the funding, because it is in a in a in a in a in a trans technology transfer training and social good space, it will be grant funded. So that plat platform and that facility will be supported through grant funding, and it has a clear mission ahead. Afrigen at the same time has built this, that facility actually to do our own commercial further development. We want to establish a mammalian cell facility. We are at the moment designing and costing. Um, in, in next door, we have expanded our, our capacity here in terms of our buildings. We are we are in discussion with partners to bring monoclonal antibody technology. Um, to Africa, it does not exist. Like vaccines, there's no capacity in, on this continent to make a monoclonal antibody, make, make a, a, a biologic. So we have, we've started the process now to, to, to design a facility and we are sourcing capital to build that facility. Again, complementary to what Afrigen will do there. That will make us absolutely unique. We will have an mRNA facility with the COVAX vaccine, which will become commercial once it's met, met its objectives to and the, and the promise to, to, to Africa. At the same time, we will have monoclonal antibody and biologic production here. The skills base exists. Um, so we, we can pull that together. For investors, we are well supported by our shareholders and uh, both our shareholders. But we want to we really leapfrog. We want to go to the next level of significant investment, $100 million to build, um, expand this capacity. We've, we've demonstrated that we can deliver. We've demonstrated that this is a team that can take a product to market. Um, we need partners to come with us. And our shareholders' view is we want a partner that brings technology and markets and money, not only money. We want partners that can bring to, uh, for us uh, a combination of things. So if there are people like that, we, we would be... Yeah, companies like that, we would be very open to engage. Wonderful. I, if I had money, you you would be getting my money first. I, I would be <laughs> definitely investing in your company. Prof, there is so much to talk about and I would love to continue talking, but sadly, we've reached the end of our conversation, but I hope that we can keep talking. And so please do come back and talk to us about how things are going and new developments that are coming up. But I think for now, we have to leave it here. Professor Petro Telbranch, the Managing Director of Afrigen Biologics and Vaccine. Thank you so much for coming on to the HSS podcast. Thank you very much. Africa, stay with us. It's a pleasure to have you and uh, keep pushing. We are working with you. Thank you so much. Thank you very much.